As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, everybody. I've had an absolute blast recording your championship intros on audio and also on video. And for those of you that didn't know, the videos can be done special exactly the way you like them because these are green screens and we can do them with a scene behind me. Do you want a fighting scene? Do you want a beach scene? Do you want a race car scene? Any scene you want, we can give it to you. It's your theme and my pleasure. Just write our offices and we will answer you with the exact fee involved and how it'll get done. So here we are, and now it's time, and it's your choice. Cheers! From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Miami where the UFC is coming, we are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but maybe afraid to voice. Do not worry, we'll voice it for you. No holes barred radio, folks. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, UFC, film, TV, politics, you name it, we talk about it. A lot to get off our chest today, and I'm going to do it very well with my co-host and my producer, TJ DeSantis. Hi, TJ. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. We've got a special guest coming on. We'll bring on in just a few minutes. Um, you know, it's been an exciting week. Got back from the San Antonio show. I want to save it because mm-hmm. our guest is the Count. Michael Bisbing, he'll be popping on here in a second. God knows he has a lot to say. Let's do a little power slap talk, a little UFC talk, and we'll share some stuff with him. TJ, I just got to start at the top of the show. This Nashville shooting is just horrific. Yeah. I got to tell you that Kristen was in tears, you know, when it came to work. I had not yeah. checked the news yet. I thought, what the heck happened? And then I saw it. And what mother, what father, what, what uh, parent could not be upset by this, much less any normal human being? Um, did you see the video of the police officers going in? I did. Yeah. Uh, you don't have just... respect and feel for police officers that when they're putting their lives on the line and in danger in a situation like that. And Brian, you know, my brother yep. who's ex SWAT and retired police officer, this is an example of fine police work in a horrific, horrific situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I hate to say this, uh, but police officers in those situations, I mean, they're almost in more danger than, soldiers in, in war you know honestly like the 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 idea of having to go after an active shooter with so many unknown elements involved it's it's really terrifying yeah you know it's just like going when they're going through the door you know you don't know where the shooter's going to be where they're going to come at you i mean it's just right it's danger but you know they got there i'm sorry to say that four children yeah children and two adults died um but they took this piece of shit out and you know it, and that's Thank and God for that. What's hard about it too, Bruce, is like the the people that, you know, go that hard to this level where they, you know, act upon these uh, impulses to to harm random people. I mean, more often than not, they do end up, you know, perishing throughout out that. And that's what's scary too. They have this mindset where they just don't care anymore and they want to take out as many people as possible. And it's just like, I don't know what drives you to that. Uh, you know, we could talk all day about that until we're blue in the face, but it's just like, uh, again, uh, mad respect to those that go out there and, and put their lives on the line because it's a scary, scary world. Yeah. And I apologize for starting off on a negative thing, but this is something we all have to be confronted with. But you know what is the other story of the coin is, is that they want to catch them alive so they know what made them do it. 
you but, know, but even, like, even the answer though is not going to really bring much peace you know what i mean like the the parents of the children that you know were, were you know tragically murdered they're, they're not going to hear a response from someone that goes like oh it's not going to give them any peace of mind no and no no it's not but you know one thing take them out so they don't have to read about this garbage person for the next three yeah. years as we spend yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars trying them and giving them three hot meals a day in jail right i mean you and i you and i agree on on that there's just no point in trying to prolong any sort of rehabilitation process like you're broken you're fundamentally broken and uh yeah i don't know yeah with all this being said <clears throat> there's a number of of uh celebrities donating you know to the parents the headmaster of the school tried to stop the killer. She paid the worst price possible by being killed as a result. She's being hailed as a hero. I'm sorry it's after she passed away. Um, but my condolences and, and wishes go out to all the families and loved ones of these individuals that died, much less, uh, not much less, but also to all the others that are even there because the yeah. traumatic experience that children and parents and, and adults go through in the situation is long life lasting. Yeah. And it's horrific in so many different ways. You know so, what's crazy? Uh, Columbine happened when I was a freshman in uh, in high school, and it was sort of treated as a very isolated incident. You know, um, obviously we've had so many more uh, active shooting, you know, things since then. But like, I, I can't imagine what it's like for these kids to go to school and have to deal with the idea that you know there are drills in place for things like this. Like my son. Uh, when he was in kindergarten, they had a active shooter drill and like, I was just trying to put my, you know, mindset in, in his shoes. And it's just like, how, how, when you're five years old, do you even try to wrap your head around what, what that drill is and, and what you're supposed to be doing? All I used to remember was fire and earthquake drills. <clears throat> right. That was, yeah. that was my thing to worry about as a kid. Right. Fire for, for, for us in the Midwest, it was uh fire and tornado drills. Yeah. There you go. I mean, totally. All right. Well, again, we need to be aware. We need to live in freedom. We need to live our lives. Uh, but this this crap is happening daily, and it's just it's it's just getting beyond. Yeah. Beyond, beyond. Well, let's uh, let's change things. I got Michael Bisping here. You want me to add him? Yeah. Let's bring on the count. All right. Let's do it. Michael, we just touched on the fact of the horrific shooting in Nashville. We've talked all we can about it. But as a parent, I'm sure it's just devastating to see what happened. It's just awful. It is just awful. Listen, you know, I'm not going to get involved on all the guns and things like that because it upsets a lot of people. But right. to see all I care about is innocent children and innocent people losing their lives. You know yes. what I mean? And and sometimes I get I get on my high horse a little bit and I talk about guns and things like that. And it upsets a lot of people. And I understand people's rights and I understand the American way of life. And I live here and I've adopted life here. But I can't help but feel so sad to sick to my stomach and just my heart aches with misery and sadness because it's just bloody awful. And I just hate to see that. If that makes me a bloody left-wing piece of garbage, then so be it, because I don't want to see innocent people losing their lives. That's it. Absolutely. And you come from a country that does not allow the possession of guns, if I'm not mistaken, right, in England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's absolutely like that. right. Now, I, listen, I under, understand there's different lives and different cultures, and I'm respectful cultures. of that, you know? Um, and people say, oh, well, you know, there's plenty of people in the UK that are victims of knife crime. And you're absolutely right. Of course, I I never sit there and say that 
England or whatever country is better than America. That's not what I'm saying. No. I'm just always saying that, you know, this is a tragedy. And between all the intelligent people that live here in this country and the people that are running it, maybe there's a better way of doing things. Maybe mental health screening, maybe a little bit, you know, I don't see a world where somebody needs to own an AK-47, but still, yeah. I'm upsetting a lot of people right now. You see, but, you know what? Go ahead, Bruce. Sorry. All of a sudden, I'm with you, Michael. It's yeah. no secret to the show that I'm a huge gun collector, historical weapon yeah. collector. Yeah. I have yeah. I have a very large collection in vaults and everything else. Otherwise, I have my protection weapons, and I'm and I have an assault weapon. But I'm the first one to say that they should be banned and not for not for citizens to have. They're military weapons. I would hand mine in a heartbeat. All you need is a good Glock, a 12 gauge shotgun, and your house is protected. Well, yeah, we, yeah. we've talked a lot about this, Bruce, over the years, and this is what I don't understand. And I think, Michael, you're you're hitting on it is the idea that uh, common sense is really what needs to to come you yeah. know, to the forefront here. I, I don't know why anybody needs to have uh, a high powered weapon that is solely designed for killing massive amount of things in a short period of time. It just doesn't make sense to me. And if they tell me it's for hunting, then we have a whole nother problem conversation. Well, it's, that I will have. it's literally illegal to go hunting with the AK-47. You can't own one oh, of those. Oh, is it really? Yeah. You, is it? I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, you could. you can have a rifle um, and there are certain amounts of uh, limits to like what uh, ammunition you can use. Like, uh, so where I'm from in Minnesota, when you go duck hunting, uh, you have to put a plug in your shotgun so you can't have more than three shells in it. So you can only shoot uh, three times before having to reload. Like there, there are all sorts of uh, rules that make it so you, you can't just go out there and go crazy. Well, that makes sense. But also too, an AK-47 round, it hits you. It takes your arm off. People don't realize how devastating an AK-47 round is, much less a military 308 round, which you get hit one time. It's not right. John Wick in the movies, which we're going to talk about too. I saw it last night. It's your arm gets blown off. OK, but let's just be real. And the bottom line is, without getting very graphic, there's no reason for us to have assault weapons. If they made the rule, I'll hand mine in tomorrow morning. Well, those I've are those are tools of, of war. They're warfare. You know, like exactly. hey, Michael, you're from England. You never you couldn't have a gun in England. Do you have a gun as a family member at home? Uh, I do not. Although I will sound like a hypocrite. Here, you got two guns, Michael. Yeah, well, there you go. You know, I, I know boxing coach of mine, Mark Kinney, when I was training in England. Um, I remember we were going through uh, the airport. We were going through security and the TSA agent said, have you got any weapons on you? And he said, left Duke, right hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. Shout out Mark Kinney. Uh, Is that no, why I, I had to wait for you? Pardon me. Is that why I had to wait for you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. But um, we are going to be getting one soon because at the end of the day, I'm away a lot. I travel a lot. And my wife and children are vulnerable. And everyone out here, if anyone's coming to the house, they're not coming unarmed. You know what I mean? They're coming with a weapon more than likely. So very soon. So if you want to come by our house and cause some trouble, you've got about a week or two to do so. Because then after that, your head's going to get blown off. Because unfortunately, in this country, that's the way it's got to be. So, so be it. So wait, it's just one last thing. Anybody that buys a weapon, I'm going to add this, and then we'll go on to another conversation. You need to go formally trained. Yep. Go get take the go take all the training, safety training, everything else. Very important. With that yeah, said, no, that's yeah, my, my wife's enrolled in a course very shortly. There's a, a school out here that go through that, all that kind of thing. My agent 
uh, audio tour from Paradigm. He set it up for us. So as I say, you know, my wife is feeling very, very vulnerable. I'm on the road all the time. She's sitting there by herself, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what we're doing. So See, that's that's what's scary, though. There are a lot of people that don't get that formal training and they just go get a gun. And uh, I, don't, I, I I'm not going to name him by name, but, uh, you know, a guy I used to work for, he got a gun and he rolled into the gun shop uh, to buy some ammunition and he didn't even know what gun he had. He's yeah. just like, I need some bullets. And it's like, that's yeah, the crazy that thing. Way. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, you know, a little bit more screening, a little bit more tuition, you know, right. You drive a car. You right. have to learn how to drive a car. Yeah. One would assume to have a weapon that is capable of killing many, many people. You would have to learn how to use said weapon, but still nobody wants to hear an Englishman sitting here and going on about gun laws. Cause I don't know a gun from a Yorkshire pudding. So <laughs> I'll leave that one there. No, and I don't know a Yorkshire pudding from a gun. So <laughs> Yorkshire pudding is one of the best things you'll ever taste in your life. I know I, I've had it. I'm kidding. I've had no, it. No, what is it? I don't, I don't know what that is. Tell me. Uh, so, so when you have a traditional roast beef dinner, if my wife was there, she'd tell you. So it's, it's goose fat and flour and eggs kind of mixed up. You, you get the goose fat really, really hot. Then you put it in like a baking tray and it rises up. You have it with beef and gravy and potatoes, vegetables, Traditional English roast dinner, Yorkshire pudding. Oof, it's beautiful. Do you remember uh, TJ restaurants chain called Gulliver's? No, I don't think we had. There those was a place called bus. Gulliver's, a big chain here in California. It used to be down where Michael lives, and you know where you live. They had them all over the place, and the girls would come out with the shirts, you know, down to their shoulders, and they would okay. say, "I'm your wench," not "I'm your waitress." I'm your wench. All right, and I'm doing this, and they serve one meal. It was prime rib, green spinach, uh, one of the item I forget. And Yorkshire pudding for Yorkshire pudding. It sounds amazing. It was just I was one say, sounds like my kind they of were place. packed. Yeah, I want to every go. time. So, uh, Michael, we come off San Antonio. Another exciting show. Uh, we had the Corey Sanhagen, the Marlon Barra fight. Um, I had no problem with the scoring on that. Did you? All that? Listen, um, I, I'm a friend of of uh, Marlon Barra. That's why a lot of people say my commentary was a very biased. I had a little bit of problem with the scoring that one guy gave it to Cheeto. You know, as much as I love and respect Cheeto, he didn't yeah. win that fight. You know, no. that's my only issue, that it was a split decision. It should have been a unanimous decision. I'm not trying to uh, add insult to injury to Cheeto. He's a friend of mine. Right. We spoke after the fight. He clearly lost the fight. He never showed up. He had a bad night at the office. It happened sometimes. Yep. He was, he was, it was a mental block. Combined with the fact that Corey Sandhagen was absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal, you know, but also he didn't show up either. And sometimes you have a mental block. Sometimes the anxiety, the nerves, the pressure, the consequences of the night can all get to you. So I think it was partly Cheeto was having one of those nights. I think it was the overload of data from Corey Sandhagen, the way he was moving, the switching stances was kind of confusing him and he couldn't get a rhythm going. And then on top of that, he... He had a bad night as well. You put it all together. Yeah, it was a great night for Sandegan and a terrible night for Cheeto. That's the way to put it together. Uh, the co-main event with uh, Yana Kuniskaya and uh, Holly Holm. Holly Holm was completely devastatingly dominating at 41 years old. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen her give. Um, I can't say that much more. You know, I mean, mm. do you feel Holly Holm could uh, be a champion again? I mean, judging by that performance Saturday night, I don't see why not. She looked better than ever. And she certainly was probably more aggressive than ever. 
You know, yes. I thought she was very close to finishing the fight on multiple occasions, certainly in round two and three. Looked like she was close to getting the first ever submission. High yes. pace. You know, and all, she's always had tremendous cardio and she's always had great movement and strategy, but she was super aggressive on Saturday night as well. And as I say, when you look at that performance, I mean, who's the champion? I mean, it's Amanda Nunes. Right. Listen, not an easy fight. She's lost to her before. Might lose again, but I don't know. Nunes, with the greatest of respect, because I'm a huge fan, maybe slipping a little bit as well, because that's what happens. But uh-huh. uh, who knows? Who knows? You never know what a story that would be. The, the no, thing I love about uh, Holly, guys, right now is, you know, you mentioned her age. And as you get older, a little bit longer in the tooth in the octagon, you have to have good fight IQ. She's, uh, you know, displayed that throughout her career. But the, the way that she performed, uh, I mean, she, she seems to be more comfortable with who she is and her style and, and implementing it than she ever has before. I mean, she's always had great attributes. She's tall. She's long, rangy, great footwork, excellent boxing. Now combining in a lot more takedowns, you know, looking for uh, crucifixes on the ground, close to getting the submission, as I say. You know, she, she looks better than ever, you know, which at 41 years old is quite the statement, you know. And but, her, hey, she was great. She was it, really good. Exactly. And her incessant uh, front kicks and side kicks and just, you know, nonstop using it like jabs, just, yeah. just boom, boom, yeah. boom, the way you should use a front kick like that, you know. It, oh, yeah. It, it, was, it yeah. was beautiful. It was beautiful to watch. I, I love watching Holly, not just when she's fighting, but when she walks in the octagon and she's jumping up and down like a little pixie, you know? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Running right. It's the cutest. She's cute right before. She, and then she goes to war like a shark-eyed devil, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I like the way she's pacing up and down in between yeah. every round right before the fight. And she does. She's jumping up and down. She's just full of energy, full of energy. And uh, yeah, no, no, no. Ever since she came to the UFC, she's been in a solid addition to the roster. And at 41, again, it's almost insulting to keep going on about her age. You're not supposed to speak about a lady's age like that. But, hey, it's a talking point. 41, a lot of men are slowing down at that age. At 41, she's out there. She's show, showing these ladies that, hey, it can still be done at this age. Age is just, uh, well, a it's just well, a number. There you go. Thank you, Bruce. I, I will say this about women. You know, I've, I've called a lot of fights for Invicta over the years, and we had some athletes that were kind of pulling that Randy Couture where they would come in in their mid to late 30s and, would be making their debut. I, I do feel like women have a little bit uh, longer or at least, at least extended career uh, compared to some of their male counterparts. Well, I mean, it depends if they're having children or not, I guess. True, true. If I'm not mistaken. I don't believe Holly's had any children. So, you know, there is that. It's certainly a factor, you know, for women generally, professionally, whether you're a fighter or not, you know, but it's just right. the way it is. Women, men, women, families, you know, they're not a family, you know, they like to have children and that is going to severely affect, you know, the training. It's going to take you out for at least a year. I mean, that's what's so impressive about Yana Kudinskaya. Sorry, Yana Santos, pardon me, you know, in what was it? Since her last fight, I think it was 20 months or something. Mm. She was pregnant for nine months. Then she's had a 10-month-old baby. And then she was in there against Holly Holm. I mean, yeah. shout out to her as well. I mean, that is a ridiculous schedule. That's a lot to go through. And on top of that, her husband, Tiago Santos, is fighting, I think, next weekend or something in the PFL. So both partners are training for a fight. And obviously, that's a very hard thing to do. But normally, you've got your spouse you know, the person on the other side assisting you, maybe doing the cooking, helping you out, whatever. They're both going through a training camp at the same right. time with a 10-month-old baby. No, thank you. That's hey. that's a high-stress situation. We're, we're talk- I, we're, you would know better than anybody. I want to apologize. I called her by her maiden name. Yes, yes, Yana Santos, correct. 
you were talking about age and I know it's not uh you know a hard steadfast rule for for every athlete but uh, do do you feel Michael there is a a prime age or or what did you experience for your your own self as you got older like what were your best years number wise you think certainly towards the end of my career which is obviously as you're getting older you know you're slowing down but I never felt like I was slowing down um my emotions were certainly getting better because I was maturing, not only as a person, but maturing as a fighter. And the mental side of thing is everything in the fight game. Yes, of course, it's a highly physical sport, but the better thinker you are, the better fighter you're going to be, the more strategy you're going to have, the better you are going to control your emotions. You know, when you're in there, you've got one of the best fighters on, in, on the planet standing opposite you. They're trying to take your head off. You know, that is a highly fueled, highly adrenaline-fueled situation, but you've got to be able to control that. You've got to be right. very cool, calm, and collected. That's why Anderson Silva was always so great. Yes. Look at Anderson. He was always just, it's like he was taking a stroll in the park. Yes. He was never hyped up. He was never screaming like that. Fedor Emelianenko, he was always well-known for being so stoic. Mirko Krokop, there's a lot of people like that. When you can control those emotions, um, you'll fight better generally. When you're when you're reacting out of emotion, you're going to fight worse because that's the last the last thing you want to do. So yeah, but as you get older, you get better at doing that. When I was younger in my career, I used to I remember I used to go sit in the corner of the locker room and close my eyes and try and wind myself up and think, "Come on, let's get fired up because I'm going to go fight." You know, because I think if I get angry and mad, I'm a force to reckon with. And yeah, that's okay. That might work against ninety five percent of people. But when you get to the true elite. It's just going to it's gonna bite, bite you in the backside. Hey, guys, you mentioned uh, Anderson Silva, Michael. I, I just saw this uh, today. His son, uh, Gabriel, is set to make his professional boxing debut uh, next month. That's going to be interesting to see uh, the, the second generation uh, of Silva here. Uh, I mean, boxing, but I mean, that that's a lot of pressure on that young man. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. But beautiful to see, though. You know, yeah. because obviously Anderson passing down the skills and all the rest yeah. of it, and he'll be mentoring him. And listen, if his father can do it, he's got the same DNA. He's going to have the same genes, and I fully expect him to go out there and have a great career. And yeah, all the best to him um, and Anderson Silva. I'm such a fan of that guy. I know when I fought him, you know, I, uh, I I did my usual thing. I talked trash. I was trying to sell the fight and try and get in his head a little bit and make him doubt it you know, himself. And of course, you know, I do have a strong stance against fighters using steroids, you know, do what you want afterwards. I couldn't care less. But when you step your foot in the octagon, you know, I have an issue with that. But when that's all said and done, Anderson Silva is one of the biggest legends and most respectable people in this sport. And he will forever have my respect. Well, it's a good thing for his manager, Ed Suarez, because Anderson Silva retires and his son steps in, you know. There you go. You keep the train rolling. Yeah, they keep the train rolling. So um, thank you, San Antonio, your energy, everything. The fans were just electric, the whole nine yards. You know, wonderful to be in Texas for these shows. Uh, we lost a couple fights, but we still had a good solid one. We had 10 fights, I think we wound up with. I think it was 11. Or No, we lost one during the show, remember? Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. 10, 10. That, that's my favorite amount. Like, I, I like a good anywhere from 8 to 10 fight card. Like, that's the I'm perfect tonight. Yeah. But, I mean, but London, the, was... the annoying thing for me is, you know, because obviously when you're researching these fighters, I like them to drop out earlier in the week. Right. On a Saturday, yeah. I've already done the research. Doing all the and work. Yes. 
Sometimes they rebook the fight, but it's not always relevant. Some things have changed. You've got more things to know. I'm like, if you're going to drop out, can you do me a favor and do it on a Wednesday? You know, because on a Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I am cramming. It's like we were just in London. And, you know, I'm very grateful for all the support I have over there. And I've got a lot of friends and family. And they all think, oh, great, Mike, you're in England. Come and see me. Let's go out for dinner. Let's go grab a beer. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I'm like, guys. I have so much work to do. This is not a vacation. I'm in on, I land on the Wednesday. I leave early Sunday morning and I've got a lot of work to do. I've got to yep. do fighter meetings, got to do um, the weighing show, BT sport obligations and stuff like that. I'm, there's my yep. dad, there's aunties and uncles, there's friends, there's people. I'm like, guys, I will be sitting in my hotel room on my own, looking at articles, their Instagram profiles, just researching these fighters, you know? So don't be offended if I, if I ignored your calls. You, you know, it's another thing that sort of uh, bums me out when I call fights is you'll do all that research, Mike, and then maybe the, the fight happens and it's over in like 30 seconds. It's like, dang, <laughs> I didn't even get to, you know, fire off all this, this, this prep work. You know, that's the equivalent of me announcing a fight, getting back to my seat, just sitting down or almost sitting down. I look up and they put there was a knockout. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jorge yeah. Masvidal versus Ben Askren. You just sit down. He's like, whoa, I'm back in there again. Back in there again, which my job, as far as the preparation, I have a lot of preparation, but nowhere near what you guys go through. Much less in London when you had 15 fights versus yeah. 11 fights, eventually 10 here. <clears throat> and it's like, I'll ask John Anik and even you, Mike, to go out to dinner on a Friday night. Forget it. You guys can't. You're you're busy working. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I'm not just like, if I go out, I talk a lot. I talk very loud and my voice is very fragile. So like, yeah, these days, the night before a fight, I'm, I'm locked up in my room. I'm being very antisocial because I have to be, you know, because Zach, head of production, if I show up the next day, like, my voice is like that. He's yeah. like, you son of a bitch. Right. You were right. out last night, weren't you? We know it. We know it. So yeah, you, those you days for me routine. are long, long, long gone. I love my job. I'm so grateful for my position and you got to give it the respect that it's due. Well, let's mm -hmm. talk about your job. Your job is, as we just, discussed you know it you do a great job there's no question thank you you know I, I i read these things about people talking about bias and all this kind of stuff and i'm sorry i just i, I get a giggle you know because i know Same. what goes into your job i just get a giggle they don't know what you have to do nobody knows what but, we have to do unless you're doing what we have to do as we don't know what they have to do unless we do what they do you know but, but the, the, there is a bias for a, a, an analyst i think for michael bisping and that bias is just calling it the way you see it you know He's what i mean a fighter like, that's right. Why. Yeah. Yeah. If, if people say, oh, you're cheering for X, Y and Z, it's not that you're cheering. It's just how you see the fight unfolding. Yeah. yeah. So so Saturday night, a lot of people, you know, on my Twitter, were like, you were so biased for Cheeto. Listen, it was clearly evident to anybody that's watched a fight before that what Corey Sandhagen doing was phenomenal. OK, that, that, that was clearly evident. He was winning the fight. He was so technically beautiful and any young fighter should watch him and aspire to be like that. But one of the big storylines was that Cheeto wasn't fighting. So I was talking about that a lot because it was blowing my mind. Yes, I know Cheeto, but so what? I can separate the fact that uh, for this 15, 25 minute period, we're not friends. It's two professionals and I'm calling their fights. Yeah, I was talking about Cheeto because he wasn't showing up. And it's like, right. is this the round that he's going to start fighting? What is he doing? Why is he waiting so long? That was a big, 
excuse me, a storyline in the fight um, with Kamara Usman and Leon Edwards, you know, close fight. But Leon was winning, you know, Justin Gagey came out and said, oh, Bisping was biased. Was I biased when I called your fight against <laughs> Rafael Fazeev? Fazeev is from Europe. Perhaps I was biased towards him. No, I was talking about how sensational he was, how he... Uh, switched up his approach in rounds two and three in the third round using the jab and the uppercuts. That was fantastic. Yeah. I'm sure he's changed his stance when he went back and watched his own fight and saw how glowing I was in his fight. But no, but surely I'm being biased there. Hey, hey Mike, when you were fighting, were you paying attention to that? Did you go back and listen to the commentary and, and were you ever, you know, wanted to take offense to anything that anyone was saying? I don't think I did. I don't think I did. Uh, yeah, nah, nah, not really, not really. The only amazing. time sometimes like that was obviously in the later days, you know, we had Fox Sports with the pre-shows on and things, right. and I'd be in the room and, you know, one of the other fighters that was on the panel doing the job that I typically do when I'm not fighting, we have to make picks, you know, and I see, I can't remember who it was, picking against me. There was one fight in particular, I forget who it was, and genuinely I do, and they picked against me, and I, I took that personally, which I shouldn't have done. We have to make a judgment call. We have to say who we think is going to win, and that's fair enough. That is a difficult thing to do because you're going to offend one of the parties. There's only two fighters there. Right. You're going to pick one. You're going to offend the other, and the other one's going to be your best friend, but that's why it, that, it, that's the job. And it's different too. It's not like a, a a game. It's a fight. Like if you pick against someone's like basketball team or football team, you know those those athletes aren't going to take too much offense to it. But when you are predicting someone to get knocked out, you know it's a one yeah, on one. Sport, yeah. Oh you know? yeah. How do you think they lose? Well, oh, they're going to get knocked out in the first round, and you're like, "What? Oh, right. I'm going to show you, and right. I'll be having a word with you when I catch up." But that was a long time ago. That was a 2015 fighter michael bisping not the 2023 posse that a lot of people call me <laughs> <laughs> well that ended that oh man i think i think buffer's frozen over there he's just mesmerized yeah he's mesmerized right now by the the pure i guess statement factor between the two of us well uh while we try to get him back uh mike i'm curious Here do you play are. video games or anything like that michael not really. I used to when I was younger, actually. But these days, I just don't have time. I don't right. have time. And I'm not very good. I mean, Street Fighter 2, I will say okay. this. I'll beat anybody on Street Fighter 2. I'm pretty good at that. But Call of Duty, it is a fantastic game. But I just get my head blown off five seconds into it. I'm like, yeah. what's the point of this? And then, oh, and then the you point? got 10-year-olds talking shit, too. Yeah, I've got 10-year-olds talking shit. I get my head blown off every five seconds. I'm like, this is no fun to me. You know, so I like to do the campaign mode now and again. And my kids are like, Dad, nobody does the campaign mode. What are yeah, you doing? Well, it, I'm like, well, I do. It, it's you and me, Bisping, doing the campaign mode because I, I can't handle the, the smack talk from 10-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we, we got, got you, Bruce. Bob. I think you're coming through your microphone, uh, so your computer microphone now and not your big microphone. Oh, I'm coming through the phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. It's okay. It's okay. That's all right. Here we are. Can, can you hear me okay, though? Yeah, it's all right. We got you, yeah, buddy. They, we, we just had an electrical thing here, and it just killed my internet. So sorry. This rain has caused so many problems around this area. Yeah, so we were just talking about that. The rain here has just been ridiculous on and off for six months now. No, it's nuts. So, Michael, I, I don't mean to interrupt you whatever you were talking before, but I want to get into the other stuff that you're doing now, which is power slap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, power slap. Hey, listen, it's getting a lot of negative press. A lot of... Uh, a lot of people are talking shit, you know, but when you're there, 
I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. It is very, very exciting. Listen, you know, the visceral thing about mixed martial arts or fighting or boxing or combat sports in general, the most right. jaw-dropping moments is when you see somebody get knocked out. And... People get knocked out. And I understand, oh, there's no defense and all the rest of it. I understand that. But when you sit and you talk to these people and you understand their backgrounds, um, then I'm all for it because Dana White never invented power slap. You know, the, these events happen all over the world. They're all over Russia, the US, all over the place. There's no uh, medical screening for the people taking part in it. And, you know, yeah, it could be dangerous. Now, with the, with Power Slap, yes, of course, there's there's medical screening. And, of course, the money's better than it will be on any of the other promotions. And when I sat down, because well, I wasn't sure about it, you know, but when I sat down and spoke to the people competing, um, and I remember when I first started, like I was telling Dana, you know, it really changed my opinion on it when I spoke to these people. I remember when I was on The Ultimate Fighter. And back then, I was flat broke. Broke. No money, not a pot to piss in. We were, it was so stressful just trying to live. The bills coming in, trying to raise a family. You know, I left school at 16. There wasn't many options. And I went, I, you know, I started this role to become a fighter. And I went on the ultimate fighter and I won a couple of fights and I got into the final. And I remember adding it up and thinking, wow, I get five grand for each stoppage. I got two of them. I get X amount of dollars per week for being on it. And was, when I finished, I was on the phone to my wife going, I'm coming home with about $17,000, babe. This is life changing for us. And, and, and it's easy to forget those times because I'm very lucky because I've had a great career and I became world champion and it's opened up a, a lot of other doors and avenues, you know. But these people, when you speak to them, they're very working class, they're blue collar, they're working two, three, four jobs just to support a family. I spoke to one guy, his kid has a condition. I forget the name of it. He said there's less than a thousand kids in the world that have this. Sadly, going to die soon, but by doing power slap, this allows me to not work and spend some more time with my children. And when you speak to these people, and yeah, there's some of them that are kind of crazy and reckless and all the rest of it, you know, there always is in mixed martial arts, but there's some people that are nice, normal, level-headed people. And, you know, they're trying to earn some money because they've got a bigger reason in life. And listen, you can, you can scoff at it, you can laugh at it. You can berate it. But when you hear the personal stories involved, it's hard not to understand and feel for them. Yeah. And you listen, everybody's got to make money. <clears throat> um, it's growing very, it's growing very popular though, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it did very well. And I think the second one's underway soon. I don't have any details yet, but I think there will be another one happening soon. Yeah. I mean, just hey, listen, look at the YouTube success and different on strokes for different. I'm sorry, TJ success, yeah. success, I'm back on regular success, success and different strokes for different folks. You know, give them a chance to make their money. It's been approved by the commission. It's got one of the greatest promoters in the history of sports behind it named Dana White yep. and WME and everything else involved. And it's got one of the best commentators, greatest commentators ever to walk in. Next champion, next fighter and Michael Bisming. So, you know what? If you don't like it, don't watch it. But well, a lot of people hey, exactly. Like it, a lot of people watching it. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and listen, and I, those people that criticize it. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. But there's two sides to the coin. You know what I mean? There really is. And, and there's people there's, there's there's people that have tried. Not everyone's good enough to go out there and become a professional mixed martial arts and make a career out of it. But right. there's some people, you know, that, that, that don't mind this kind of thing and they enjoy the adrenaline and they enjoy the moment and they enjoy competing. And you call it whatever you want. There's, you know, but, but it's an opportunity for them to take their very unique set of skills and turn it into something positive and make some money. And yeah, okay, is it dangerous? 
Yeah, all right. Of course it is. So is mixed martial arts. I've got one eye. I've got no knees. I've got a broken back, half a brain cell. Do you know what I mean? But I left school at 16 years old with no future whatsoever. I was getting a lot of trouble with the law. I went to prison and now I'm sitting here and I'm living in a nice house in Orange County and life is great, right? And there's a potential for some of these people to do a similar thing with this. So you can't hate on it. Horses for courses. And as you said, Bruce, it's perfect. If you don't like it, don't watch. Yeah, don't there watch. There's a lot of people that do watch it and do like it. Well, I think we we live in a time where like hardcore MMA fans feel like they have to consume everything, even if it's not MMA. If the UFC or Dana White is doing something, they feel like they have to watch it. But like at this point, you're right, and Dana has said it too. You know, if if you think a UFC card isn't up to snuff, don't watch it. You know, there, there's there's offerings weekend. In week out, and uh, you know, just just and, and, and let me tell you this: there's still mixed martial arts has come so far, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that. Listen, mixed martial arts is a beautiful sport, and power slap is, you know, it's it's, it's very it's very basic, okay. But look at how the reception was for mixed martial arts when it first came around. You know, human cockfighting it was banned; right, right. it wasn't even allowed on cable TV. And the reality is, you know, there's still a lot of people that feel like that. You know, I was on this movie last year, as I said before, and one of the guys, and he's become a lifelong friend of mine, huge boxing fan, huge boxing fan. And the first night we went out to dinner and we got to know each other, shout out Luca Pasqualino. Um, he was saying, you know, well, once we, you know, we had a couple of drinks and we got to know each other a little better, better and we got talking. He was like, Mike, I'm a massive boxing fan, but I can't stand mixed martial arts. He said, I just don't get it. I don't like it. Somebody gets knocked down and they follow them down to the ground. I just don't see the beauty in that, Mike. And we had a long, healthy, respectable discussion. I'm like, mate, what are you talking about? Boxing is so dangerous. There's still eight to 15 deaths per year and there's a higher chance of brain damage and all the rest of it. So there's That's always right. going to be critics to everything. There's still critics to mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the mixed martial arts critics are now criticizing Power Slap. Well, there's a lot of people that criticize mixed martial arts. So who's right and who's wrong? Who cares? Don't like it. Don't watch. Stick it up your ass. Cheers. <laughs> That's the way to say it right there. Totally. Michael, um, <clears throat> okay, Power Slap. Onward, upward, UFC, rocket ship upward, all that goes with it. John Wick 4. Yeah. I just took my boys to see it last night. And uh, two hours and 40 minutes of nonstop romping over the top, way over the top versus John Wick 1, 2, and 3. Amazing how they do these scenes. You know that the average scene, that a fight scene in John Wick that could take three minutes on film probably takes three weeks to film. Right? You know that all that goes into that. It... I can't say enough how enjoyable if you just want to see mayhem and see the bad guys get their due. Two things. Um, <clears throat> I think they should call John Wick a superhero because he gets stabbed and shot, falling two stories, hitting his body on pillars coming out of the building, landing, getting up, beating up every bad guy, headshotting everybody he shoots at while 10 guys are shooting at him. Just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, slowly rumbling through the jungle and he's got 20 Santa Nisa's behind him spraying him with AK-47s, but nobody... Let me ask you this real quick. I'm sorry to interrupt. A hundred-pound woman probably hits him and knocks him flying across the room because women are so badass and they can do anything. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But um, thoroughly enjoyable. A lot of dramatic license. It is what it is. Um, But if you want to see the bad guys get their just due, the second thing I want to say is um, Scott Atkins. Yeah. And that you work with. He's in yeah. the movie. He plays one of the lead heavies. Looked like he put out a little weight for this, this because he's normally so trim. 
Yeah, no, no, he is. And I haven't spoken to him about it because we are good friends. Uh, I think it was just like a fat suit. Was that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was wearing a fat suit because I saw some clips on his Instagram. And yeah, he looks he looks big in it. But yeah, I think he's wearing a fat suit because at the premiere, he looked tip top again. So I think I think it's just prosthetics. They well, did a very, car- very he, good job in that. He wasn't the ultra fat guy in the movie with the gold teeth, was he? Yeah, the ultra fat guy with like a weird like Euro- Russian accent or something. Oh, excuse me. There were there were two guys. So he was like really heavy in the movie. Yeah. Oh, that was him. Okay, the makeup they did for him, the teeth. Yeah. Because when that 300, he was like a 300 pound heavy. He was the mm. bad guy that came after him. They had a big fight scene. I misinterpreted from another guy I saw that was more facially like him. Okay, that makes it clear. So, so, that- so I haven't seen the film yet. I, but I've on his Instagram, I've seen some clips of him in the suit dancing and just, you know, just having a laugh. And his whole face is made heavy too, right? Correct. Yeah, his chin and everything. Yeah. Oh, listen, even more so now that actually I'm going to praise him even more because that was a hell of an acting job in his part. And then when they had the fight scene and he started to move, I'm like, this big guy can move. Yeah, but that yeah. makes sense right there with Scott Atkins. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Very cool. And by the way, alone. one of one of the nicest guys you can ever meet. He really is yeah. just such a down to earth, so humble, and just just a nice average guy that loves martial arts and he's really turned it into something successful. So shout out to Scott Atkins. But I'm gonna say this, and I'm ashamed. I haven't seen any of the John Wick films. I haven't I seen you a mentioned single that to one. Me. We were in the airport. You mentioned that to me in the airport. You hadn't seen any of them. You gotta watch one through three before I you know. It's my wife. She won't watch movies like that. You know, I've got to watch them by myself. So uh, maybe, maybe on, on a plane, I'll start at one. Get it on the plane or download it to your thing. They're thoroughly enjoyable. Keanu Reeves at 58 years old. Does a great job. That's now, Keanu, crazy to think he's that old. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he, he's so talented. I know. Everyone it's, says it's fantastic. I, I have got to watch it. Yeah, yeah. That's really yeah. wild. Well, listen, guys, I want to go on a few other things because we're going to close the show. TJ's got a, a heart out here. Um, Elon Musk is auctioning off his first business card, right? And they're expecting his first business card to go for up to $20,000. Well, whoever's got $20,000 to spend on an old out-of-date business card where the cell phone number doesn't work and the email address isn't relevant anymore... I mean, I guess maybe one day it'll be worth loads because it'll be some kind of piece of history. But if you got $20,000 and I've got a piece of uh, um, oceanfront property I can sell you in, in Nevada, because yeah, send exactly. it my way because you got too much dough because who gives a crap about that? Exactly. <laughs> I Well, some people do, but honestly, I'm a big collector of memorabilia and it's not my touch. Good luck to Elon. Send the money to charity. Robert Downey Jr. has a piece of gum from the Walk of Fame. Right piece right. of gum he put down in the Walk of Fame when he was there. Well, it's auctioning off. How much, guys? How much? Uh, I'll say grand. I'll, I'll say fifty grand. Fifty-five thousand. Wow. Wild. Okay. Wild. 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 And one last uh, thing. I love these kind of stories. A dusty painting was hidden behind a door, uh, or rather a wall. They were cleaning out this wall. It turned out to be what they call a Bruegel, a 17th century painting by Peter Bruegel. Wow. And that painting will fetch about nine hundred thousand dollars. Wow, that's amazing that it didn't deteriorate. I know it's unbelievable. Like that. Yeah, see, that's yeah. cool. That's really cool. I, I like stuff like that because uh, I love those my wife kind of and stories. I, 
we're we're a big collector of antiques, mainly my wife. You know, in oh, our so, so you appreciate that kind of stuff. Oh, of go. course, our, our house is full of antiques. Not in this room, but everywhere, it's just full of antiques, and that's what we do in our spare time. You know, we don't really know what we're buying. We're probably being lied to a lot. You know, our first question is, "Is it old?" And they could just say, "Oh, it's from the 17th century." I'm like, "Oh, let's buy it." But uh, <laughs> yeah, my wife loves weird, wonderful old artifacts, original pieces, and yeah, she wants. Um, she wants to go metal collecting. She's her dream is to go metal collect. You know, like detecting metal. We detecting. talk yeah. about these stories yeah. all metal, the time. Metal Some... detecting and find like an old Roman coin or something like that. You know, I'm yeah. like, babe, I'll buy you a metal detector for Christmas. We just talked about a story like that a few months ago, and it was in England. Right? They, yeah, yeah, the yeah. They found the coins. Another one found this huge piece of uh, like 17th, 16th century jewelry worth hundreds of thousands. Yeah, of that's dollars. right. No, no, I think we saw it. And that's what spurred that conversation. She's like, I want to do that. I'm like, right, babe, don't worry. I got what, you. I what, what's crazy about, uh, you know, Europe and the metal detectors over there, you're like liable to find some, you know, unexploded ordinance from all the wars over there. It in happens. The years. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Well, speaking of unexploded ordinance, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, with the with the Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, he was just offered free sex for life from the Las Vegas uh, brothel workers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's an Boy, offer you can't refuse. I mean, his wife, if he's married, might not appreciate that. But hey, listen, come on. The perks of the job. You know what? It's called promotion for the brothel. That's all. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is, How to get yeah. your name on TMZ. So, Michael, you know, I know and I appreciate uh, your your enjoyment and, and liking of my It's Time cologne and, oh, yeah, you know, the picture and everything. We just got uh, uh, last week. We we're, we're the fastest selling cologne on Amazon. Wow. That's that is yeah. very impressive. Congrats, Bruce. Yeah, well, Amazon and Walmart. It's all good. I want to show you one more thing as I show. This is all about you. This is my new single chance. Well, yes, Puncher's Chance, but this is the new Puncher's Chance, which is the single barrel 105 proof version. How do you like this label? The undisputed. Oh, that's nice. The undisputed. There you go. I like that. Great packaging. Like that. Love it. Yeah, Love this it. is. In so, what's the difference? What it, with it being undisputed? What's the difference? Uh, well, this is a single barrel version, right? It's a certain way to make the uh, the bourbon. Okay. And my original is ninety proof. This is hundred and five proof. Oh. And oh. it has a a totally different, lovely aftertaste. Okay. Really, really good. This will, unlike my my reserve versions where I only have a couple thousand cases, they're all sold out. This will be readily available just like the original Puncher's Chance and it's already getting into stores all over. You can just go to punchershancebourbon.com. Anybody out there, if they want to have one delivered to the house, otherwise check your Bebmo stores. I'll be in Miami next week on Friday doing appearances in Miami, but that's enough shilling for me. Michael, is there anything that you want to uh, bring up? Yeah, not really. Not really. Um, I mean, as you can see on the wall, it says, believe you me. Check out the podcast, believe you me. Other than that, I will see you where I see you. Bruce, TJ, always a pleasure talking to you guys. And uh, Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. And we'll, I'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Everybody tune into Michael Michael Bisming's podcast, too, not just this one. you got a very popular podcast. You do a great job, Michael. Thank you very much. All right, cheers. Best to you and your family. Thanks, guys. You see fellas, you take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. See you in Miami. Talk soon. All the Will best, you in Miami. No, Michael. I'm not. No, no. I was going to say sadly, but it's nice to have a break. There you honest. go. Trust Enjoy. Me, I, I go to Kansas weekend. City and then from there I fly straight to Europe to do a small part in the film. So uh, it's go, go, go. So I'll have a weekend off. I'll be sitting there. 
I'll have a puncher's chance in my hand. I'll have my feet up, the fire on, because it's bloody freezing in California. You fellas take care. See you soon. Thanks, Thanks, Michael. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 I I love Bisping. You were talking about, you know, his mindset when he was a fighter compared to, you know, what he's like now being an analyst in in retirement. And there are just some personalities that seem to be a a lot more, uh, I don't want to say likable because I I always liked Mike. He was always very nice to me, but uh, he's a lot more, uh, you know, accommodating and, and doesn't have a chip on his shoulder like he did when he was fighting. Oh, absolutely. No, Michael, let's see. He's a a friend. He's a great guy. We flew back together, you know, hung out in the airport together. There's never a dull moment with Michael Bisping. That's all I can say. Yeah. It's really it's really enjoyable for sure. Yeah. Uh, TJ, what's up with you? Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Last weekend, I was in Playa del Carmen down in Mexico for uh, two shows. Eddie Bravo put on Medusa, which is female only jujitsu. And then on uh, Sunday, we did Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds, the welterweights. Uh, phenomenal show. Uh, Mexico is is just filled with you know amazing fight fans, and it's kind of interesting to see uh, what Eddie has done uh, and his partner Victor Davila uh, have done in Mexico. Because you know when COVID hit, they basically moved their entire operation uh, to Cancun, and the jujitsu scene there has just blown up in ways that I never really thought. Uh, possible. We had Brandon Moreno in the house. So, you know, a national icon and hero was down there. And it was just one of the coolest nights I can ever uh, really tell you about, Bruce, because, you know, combat sports have grown so much as a whole because of the UFC. And now to see jujitsu on this stage and doing well, a packed house in a a country that is primarily known for uh, its love of boxing, it it was pretty special. Very, very cool. No, that's great. I'm glad to see that the growth, I mean, Nobody deserves it better than Victor Devalia and, and Eddie Bravo. They work very hard to make that happen, and you too at the same time. I uh, I have the weekend off. I had a great time in San Antonio. I am going to thoroughly enjoy not having to you know travel this weekend. I will be in Miami next week. Uh, we'll talk more about that next week. Um, our sponsor for the show, aside from Puncher's Chance Bourbon, and it's Time Cologne, uh, basically, uh, and also Rubet which is a very big company that I work with is our uh, site, medical, everything.com. And um, we're really happy to have them on the show. They send us health tips. The tip this week uh, is eight tips while traveling and you know what we do all the time, TJ. Yeah. You know, and just a couple tips here that apply really hard. You don't want to skip the jet lag. Uh, They say, go to bed or like, one hour earlier for a few days before leaving. I, I agree with that, but at the same time, I time my, Mm. My uh, stuff. They go into how to how to time your your jet lag, the sanitizing of surfaces, um, and here's an interesting thing: when traveling abroad, it's important to avoid ice. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I just uh, I, that kind of bit me a little bit in Mexico. Uh, I had ice from a restaurant and uh, had a pretty uh, upset stomach for about four or five hours. Yeah, because it can contain bacteria. Yeah. Yeah, so they go into details about traveling tips and stuff. So check out medicaleverything.com, folks. Um, myself, I will, again, we'll be back next week. I'll see you in Miami. Uh, thank you for making us Time Cologne, the fast-selling cologne on Amazon. And you can also get it at Walmart. And with that being said, everybody set your goals, write them down. Make sure you are totally knowledgeable about everything you do. So when you step off on that yellow brick road to success in your future, just be the best you can be, and then you're winning. And that's, again, as we always say, that's what we're all about on It's Time Radio. Uh, Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Show respect to everybody. And let's all make this world a much better place because we all have to do our part to do so.
That's it. Buffer out. Have a great week. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.